Hey, this is Amanda, women's health dietitian. And I'm Emily, nutritional therapy practitioner. And this is the Are You Menstrual podcast, where we help you navigate the confusing world of women's hormones and teach you how to have healthy periods. Each week, we will be diving into a different topic on women's health and sharing our perspective using nutrition, female physiology, and metabolic health. Our goal is to help you wade through conflicting health information and empower you on your healing journey. We hope you enjoy it. In this episode, we are focusing on my favorite method of birth control, the fertility awareness method, or FAM. And we're actually talking to my friend, Nina Boyce. She's a certified fertility awareness coach and Reiki practitioner based in Columbus, Ohio. Her program, her programs focus on FAM for optimized conception and or non-hormonal birth control. And she passionately believes all women deserve to understand how their body functions. Nina takes a holistic approach focusing on nutrition and mineral testing, cycle charting, and lifestyle modifications to help her clients achieve their desired fertility goals. She's also the host of the Healing Hormones podcast, which I've been on quite a few times, and she interviews the leading women in the world of menstrual health. So I'm really excited to have you here, Nina, chatting with us about all things fam. Me too. I'm excited because the rules are switched. Like you've been on my podcast three times. So now I feel like I'm in the hot seat and I'm loving it. Yeah, I get to ask you all the hard questions now. So fertility awareness, and if anyone's like, what about regular birth control? We talked about that in the last episode, all the hormonal methods, how they impact the body, all that kind of stuff. So definitely listen to the previous episode for that. If you're someone that's currently taking it, has taking it, or wants to learn more. Today we're focusing on FAM. And of course, I feel like people know FAM for birth control and for fertility, you know, trying to conceive, it can definitely be helpful. But I also think it's so much more than that. You know, I mean, especially it's funny because you're, it's like, that's what you do is you teach people how to use it, but it's really to look at their hormones and their overall health. Yeah. I mean, learning fam not only helps you achieve whatever fertility goal it is, like to not get pregnant or to get pregnant, but you learn so much about what is happening at the hormonal level, like what, where my hormones are fluctuating in the cycle, how my body is responding to that, how do I feel during each of the phases? Like there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. I feel like it's an essential tool on your healing journey. And then it's really nice as you transition to different phases, like postpartum, very helpful when you're like, when am I going to get my period back? What do my hormones look like? Are things regulating? And then of course, like perimenopause, I think it's essential for that so that you know, am I in this stage or not? And then of course, defining menopause because you have to obviously be tracking your cycle to know if you've fully gone into that. Can you give us a little bit of background on how you got into fertility awareness method and just hormone health in general? Yeah. Well, I got into all this work just because I was like a huge ball of stress myself. Like this was probably five-ish years ago when I was a teacher. I was teaching middle school choir, like running my body to the brink. After a while, like I just, I started to really struggle with like hormonal acne, period pain was a huge one for me. Lots of spotting throughout my cycle. I was like experiencing so much anxiety that was like another real big thing for me that I just was like, I can't deal with this anymore. So of course, you know, I did the normal go to my doctors and I just didn't really get the answers I was looking for. I just was handed prescriptions. 
And so finally, I just started doing my own research. And that's when I got the health coaching certificate. But then that led me even deeper into wanting to study women's hormones and what's going on with my period and how to start to get to the root of that. So through doing my own work, I started like coaching clients more on hormones and periods. And then slowly but surely, I like decided, you know what, this is exactly what I want to focus on within this space. And then when I was trying to get pregnant myself, I, and well, actually back up, I was trying not to get pregnant. I wasn't on birth control. So I started to look into fertility awareness method and I realized, wow, I'm even in this space of health and hormones. And there is still so much I don't know about how the body works. And I decided to get my certification in FAM and that's where I ended up now. So now I like highly focus on that specific area. And then of course, you know, I've collaborated with you in like multiple different ways and using your tools as well to help my my clients with just general hormone balance stuff. So how would you describe fertility awareness method? It's a, and it's aggressive name. I feel like it's kind of like, what does that mean? How would you describe like this whole practice to someone? Really at its core, it's knowing when you're fertile and when you're not fertile. Like if you really simplify it down and it's just learning different biomarkers to determine when those times of the your cycle are. So in the end, it's like the, the way that I practice is the symptothermal method. So we use basal body temperature, we use cervical mucus, and I also include LH testing. And then if clients want to, I even include progesterone tests like after they've ovulated to confirm ovulation to confirm healthy progesterone levels. So those are the main biomarkers that I use. Uh, and that really is it. You're tracking according to what your body is showing you every day as opposed to like the calendar, the rhythm method, which is more of just like an estimate of like my period should come on this day and I should ovulate on this day. It's like very specific to the day what my body is doing. And so with some of those markers, uh, what are people, what are you really looking for to identify that fertile window? The main thing is cervical mucus. It's like the I, the word I never thought I would say so many times in my life, but I say it like over and over and over. That really is the deciding factor. For example, you know, you're on your period for what? Let's say like three to seven days. There's like a range. And then after your period ends, most women experience dry days and that's because estrogen levels are low. And then as estrogen levels begin to rise, you get into what we call the fertile window or your point of change. So you start to see these different types of cervical mucus, non-peak and peak. And that's when you obviously can determine like, all right, ovulation is just around the corner. And then after that, after ovulation happens, we can go into more details if you want to, but you dry up again. And so that is another signal that you obviously have ovulated and you're in your infertile phase. So those are the main ones. And then temperature is just, I think is like an extra clue, right? It's like an extra confirmation that ovulation has happened. And also, you know, you can use it just for your health too. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people know I talk about basal body temperature in relation to metabolism and how we want to have a healthy temperature both in our follicular and luteal phase, but it does increase during that luteal phase. So that's kind of the confirmation that we're getting to say, hey, you did ovulate. So when are you fertile? You're fertile whenever you see cervical mucus. There, I mean, there's obviously some fluctuation in that because you know, say you see cervical mucus after you've confirmed you've ovulated, like you've had a temp rise of three high temps. That's what you go by, you know, three high temps you can confirm, but you see like non-peak or you see some cervical mucus. You're not fertile. You've already ovulated. That egg is gone. It's dissolved after 24 hours. And there is no physiological way that you can get pregnant until your next uh, fertile window rolls around. So 
you have to kind of keep that in mind. But after you get that period and you're like waiting for ovulation to happen, you really have to consider any of those days and we call it the pre-ovulatory phase or, you know, your menstrual follicular phase, you have to consider any of those days that you see cervical mucus a possible fertile day. There are, you know, some calculation rules after you've been charting for like a year or whatever are more detailed than that. But at the core, that's pretty much what what you go with. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, cervical mucus is something that we don't really talk about. And some women are probably like embarrassed by it. And so I feel like that's why it can be the most confusing. But once you start paying attention to it, it's easier than taking your temperature, you know, to just pay attention throughout the day. Yeah. I mean, you go to the bathroom every day. So you're going to naturally look down at your underwear, which honestly isn't even the best way to observe. It's like just look at your toilet paper or feel what it feels like when you wipe or when you're walking. Like once you learn how to observe it, you're like, oh, this takes me seconds. And it happens all day throughout the day. It just becomes second nature. So who do you think that fertility awareness method is best for? I, well, personally, I wouldn't want to say it's for everybody. (laughs) Like fertility awareness method is for everybody, but you have to be willing to make assessments on a daily basis. But like I said, once you get into the habit of it, it takes seconds, like every time you go to the bathroom. But you also have to be willing to mark it, whether that's like on a paper chart or in an app. You know, you have to have that dedication to mark down what you've seen. But as long as you are able to stick to checking your biomarkers every day, I think it's for you. You also do have to have a partner that would be willing to believe in fertility awareness method, or if you're not you know, with one specific person, you have to also have that in mind too. Like, hey, that person needs to know I'm not on hormonal birth control. I'm in my fertile window. We need a barrier method. So I feel like that's something to keep in mind is what's your sex life and also like who's your partner or who's not your partner and how would you navigate those questions when they come up? Yeah, I feel like there definitely needs to be a lot of communication there even because like your partner has to learn about it just as intently as you do. I feel like just so that you're both on the same page. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's funny. My husband will say, oh, you're ovulating right now, aren't you? Or like, wait, you just got your period. So like, <laughs> he like knows where I'm at in my cycle, which is awesome. But yeah, they have to be open. I mean, the clients, I just had a client right before this call and we were talking about how her partner is like totally on board now, but he still is like, wait a minute. So you've ovulated. So like, there's no way you can get pregnant. You know, they just need educated too. And then they'll, they'll be on board. It was like the same thing. I feel like it took so long for my husband to grasp that. And I'm like, no. And I know, I'm like, I know it's scary because what's drilled into our heads that we can get pregnant every day. But I'm like, you're fertile every day. I'm not. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see women make when it comes to using fertility awareness method? Mm. I think that A lot of us are used to that calendar method where we just assume we ovulate every day on day 14. So even if they're using fertility awareness method, that's kind of still in the back of their head. And so I wonder if really if there are any mistakes made with it, it's that they truly aren't observing their cervical mucus every day and they're still in the back of their mind to think they're not going to ovulate for like so many days. So that kind of seems to be the common like mistake or misconception that I'll see. And then the next common mistake I see is people think when their temp rises, that means they're currently ovulating. And that drives me insane. I see influencers like that promote natural cycles. I don't know if you've seen that out there. Um, And every time I watch their promotions or their ads, it's like, 
And then when your temp rises, you're fertile. I'm like, no, (laughs) you're not fertile. It's the opposite. Yeah. So like if you're trying to get pregnant and you wait until your temp rises, you've already passed ovulation. So that's a really big mistake that people are like, well, I'm tracking my temperature. Temperature only confirms after ovulation has happened. Yeah, I feel like that's the most common one I see is only tracking their temperature and not looking at cervical mucus because I'm like, you can't predict ovulation with your temperature. You can only confirm it. Right. Yeah, people don't realize that's truly the biggest clue. I mean, if you think about OPKs, like I'm thinking the clear blue with the smiley face, nobody even knows like what that's looking for. They're just looking for like the blinking smiley face or the non-blinking smiley face to tell them that they're ovulating. But really like what that's doing, it's just tracking your estrogen levels and it's tracking your LH surge. And you can do that without the device. You can just look at what your body's doing. And if you're producing fertile CM, and that is going to be more valuable and more accurate whether you want to get pregnant or not get pregnant. Yeah. I think one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is not working with a coach, whether that's through like a specific guided program or even if you just like a lot of people, it's like you can learn about this, whether it's in an online course, there's great book resources and you just need to implement. But I think going through your charts with a fertility awareness coach, even if it's like one or two sessions, you know, I feel like that's like if you're if you don't feel like you're grasping it, you don't feel confident of using that as a birth control method, then I would say try to work with someone. Mm, If you are using it for birth control and you are very, very adamant about not getting pregnant, I highly recommend booking some sessions with a fertility awareness educator. And I, like I mentioned previously, when you're like, how'd you get into this? I read all of the books and I even did like um, a specific like hormone course through IIN. Like, and I had been doing a lot of work with other coaches in the hormone space And it wasn't until I got my certification that I truly feel like I grasped the intricacies of FAM. And that was after reading, you know, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, The Fifth Vital Sign, like all of the big hitters out there. It's a lot of information. Like it's information overload. And sometimes you just need someone to sit down and like look at your chart, zoom out and help explain it to you. Yeah. I would say like if someone's looking at their basal body temperature and as like a health marker as well, when they feel like they have a lot of low temperatures, I think they don't hold the thermometer in their mouth long enough. That's like the other biggest mistake that I see. I'm like, just hold it in there for a little bit longer. If it looks low or if you're not seeing a change, it could be because it's not it's not heated up enough before you're taking that measurement. People get frustrated with that sometimes because you just have to sit there with the thermometer in your mouth, but it's really not that long. You know, you're just waking up, so you just have to let it warm up under your tongue. Oh, you do not have to take your temperature vaginally. I get that question a lot. People say like, oh, you can – it's oral? It's like, yes. I mean, you can take it vaginally if you want, but you don't have to, which is oddly uh, a mistake, but not a mistake, but just like a question people ask. That's funny. So let's go through some of the myths because I think that people do get it confused with the rhythm method. It is not the rhythm method, but kind of how about you like debunk that myth? Like what is FAM versus the rhythm method? So the rhythm method is like what we mentioned before. You're just assuming you're on your body is literally like clockwork and that you get your period on the same day all the time. You ovulate on the same day every cycle and then you just go with that and you're like, okay, here's, you know, what my app is telling me because I put my first day of my cycle in, blah, blah, blah. 
But with fertility awareness method, again, you're looking at every single day before you ovulate as possibly fertile. Because ovulation, our bodies are so sensitive. So it could be, be sped up or it could be delayed according to whatever's going on in your life. So you could be traveling. You could be changing up your diet or exercise routine. You could be sick. I mean, something could happen that stresses the body out and ovulation decides, hey, estrogen levels rise a little bit quickly and we're coming early or, you know, as we are stressed and our body's going to delay ovulation. So that's the biggest difference is like we don't assume when we're going to ovulate or when we're fertile. We literally check on the day. And it's interesting because I feel like people don't realize that their apps are basically the rhythm method and they think because it's an app and it has like algorithms that it's better at predicting. I'm like, it's the same exact thing. That's why it's like your app can't predict when you're going to ovulate. Only you can when you're tracking those different signs. Exactly. I think it's cool that, I mean, you can totally use it in addition to checking your daily temps. Like I've had clients that they'll say, oh, my app says that I'm in my fertile window, but guess what? I also saw non-peak cervical mucus. So it's right. You know, like they almost use, you use your body to confirm what the app is saying. And that's fine. You know, of course I have my favorite apps that I like in general and dislike certain <laughs> apps. But Which ones do you like? My favorites read your body. It's but, but I feel like you do, um, you have to know about fertility awareness in order to use it or be working with an instructor to kind of walk you through it. Uh, so that's definitely my favorite. I mean, even like the temp drop app, I guess like none of the other ones are my favorite. People like Kendara. Kendara is okay. You, you still need to know what's going on with your body. So I, I guess I would vote Kendara. But other ones like the Flow app, um, I don't like Daisy anymore, unfortunately. Um, those are just all they're, you know, they're using algorithm algorithms and things and they're not always accurate. So, yeah, but I like the idea of cross-checking. What about the effectiveness of FAMA? A lot of people don't think it's as effective as hormonal birth control. It is. It's 99. I want, I just looked up this metric. I think it's 99.8% effective with perfect use. So that's, you know, we're, or 98, it might be 99.9% .9 effective with perfect use with an instructor or whatever, really knowing what you're doing. And then I think it's like nine, I'm not going to know that one with imperfect use. It's still high. The typical use. The typical use, um, which is the same as like a condom or birth control. If you think about it, like how many people you have to take your birth control every single day. They say at the same time every day. Yeah. So it's like that's perfect use of the birth control pill. Well, most people use imperfect use of the birth control pill too. So it is just as effective as any other method or barrier method that you're going to use. What about, I hear this a lot that women feel like if they have irregular cycles, like if they have PCOS that they can't use FAM. It does make it trickier in the sense that you may not have a pattern like a, somebody that doesn't have PCOS after a few cycles, they also can use their pattern as another biomarker. Like for the past three cycles, I have ovulated on day 15. So that's a tool that I'm going to use with all the other tools. But it actually is fantastic for people with PCOS in a way because you're saying, all right, I'm still looking at my body's clues to when I'm ovulating. I know people with PCOS, they can see a lot of cervical mucus throughout the cycle. So in that sense, there are a lot of days where ovulation may not be around the corner, but your body is telling you that you're fertile. So from a birth control standpoint, I see that that can be confusing, but it's still incredibly empowering to understand like what your body is doing on a daily basis. It makes you feel in control of something that's almost feels out of your control. And to note, 
are you ovulating? That's why I have my clients with PCOS use it because I'm like, I want to know if you're ovulating. A lot of times they will use LH strips just to see like what's going on to see if they if if they have like a much longer cycle. But I feel like it's so helpful. Well, and that actually reminded me, I've had two or three PCOS clients that diagnosed PCOS, told that they weren't ovulating. And within the three months we worked together, they've uh, their chart was showing me that they were ovulating. And I was like, what? It just blew my mind. And who knows? Maybe it was a combination of changes they were making or not. But the fact that they had this idea in their head that they weren't able to get pregnant because they weren't ovulating and then they actually were, it just maybe wasn't at around the time that they thought it was going to happen. I mean, it's just so empowering to know what's going on. Yeah. So if you are someone listening and you have longer cycles, uh, don't feel like you can't use it. You definitely can, especially and it. Maybe it's not your first choice for birth control, but it's something that you can use to better understand, like, are you ovulating? Are you not? What's going on with your hormones? One of the other things like that I hear about FAM and using it is people think like it, it kind of puts a little damper on your sex life because it's like, wait, are you fertile? Or are you not, you know, like, and so it's kind of like, you know, are you going to have a less spontaneous sex life if you're using FAM? I don't think so. Personally, from personal use, I mean, this is the conversation for us (laughs) is, hey, you have to grab a condom or (laughs) I don't know how frank I can be on here. Like, hey, you have to pull out today. Like, you know, like certain things like that. By the way, if you're really, really, really trying not to get pregnant, there is a small percentage of men that have semen like or have sperm in their pre-cum. So or pre-ejaculation, however you want to say it. Uh, So be careful. The pull out method is not like totally effective all the time. But really like that's the thing when it comes to your partner, you just have to have that open communication of like, here's where we're at. Here's where we're not at. And you have to be willing to do another option or choose another way to go about it if you are in that fertile window. Yeah. And I I mean, for me, I feel like if anything, it improves your sex life, especially after you've ovulated, you're like, you're in the clear, you know, like I feel like it's more fun and you don't have to worry if you are trying to use it for birth control and avoid getting pregnant. And I do think that communicating more about where you're at in your cycle and having your partner know that, again, is really good for your sex life and just getting to know you and your needs because it is going to change depending on where you're at. So, but I I do get that like, oh, like that's got to be really hard on the partner. I'm like, it's not, it's, it's really not. You guys just have to like get used to it and have good communication, which hopefully, you know, is only going to benefit the relationship. I was going to say, I honestly feel like it is a benefit to the relationship because then, you know, we know our body even emotionally changes and our physical interests change during different phases of the cycle. So when they're aware of that, that just increases your connection together and what can be wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. But that that's one that I, I I know that people tend to like be weary of, especially if you're not in a serious relationship. I was going to say, if you're not in a serious relationship, I get it that you might have to say like, hey, but also like in my mind, we're giving the power to the other person. Whereas like, hey, let's bring the power back to ourselves. Like, Maybe you feel better when you're off of hormonal birth control. Maybe you love to understand what's going on with your body. So is it worth having a quick hey, this is what I need right now for this uh, like interaction to happen. I think that's totally worth it. Yeah. I mean, I just, we did the hormonal birth control episode before this one. And, you know, one of the most common things is a low libido when you take the pill. And it's like, what is the point of taking it if your libido is then going to be low? So, and it can be low after you get off of it for a while. So what's the, that's no fun. 
Hey, Amanda here, just giving you a quick break, hopefully a a break for your brain in the middle of this podcast episode to remind you that if you haven't gone through our free training, Optimizing Hormone Health Through Mineral Balance, we really do recommend starting there. And the main reason for that is because you're going to hear us say things like mineral foundation, having a solid foundation, are you putting the foundations in place? Especially as we get deeper and deeper into different hormonal topics and specific imbalances in the body, the, the mineral foundation it's always going to be so essential. So if you haven't watched the free training, you can find it in our show notes or you can go to hormonehealingrd.com and it's going to be right on that front page there. But we really recommend starting there so that you can understand how is your current mineral status? How do you assess this and how to get started with all that just so you can get as much as you possibly can out of the rest of the podcast episodes. But that's it. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. So what are some things that women can expect to learn when they start charting and using FAM? You, oh, so many things. First of all, like even like starting at the beginning, you'll get a really good sense of what your period means about your health. So when we're tracking, I'm usually having clients tell me like, okay, how many tampons, pads, or menstrual cups did you go through? How many days was your period? How many spotting days did you have? Was it medium, heavier, light? And that in itself, like, gives us so much information about hormone levels. And then just knowing like, you know, when you start that fertile window, like does your estrogen rise slowly? How do you feel as your estrogen is rising? And how long is that follicular phase? That's like really good, valuable information. And then, you know, post ovulation in general, it's really cool to see like, wow, my body does dry up after I ovulate. That's because of progesterone. Wow, look at how my temps are increasing now or like noticing we draw something called a cover line. So that helps us to determine the difference between the first phase of your cycle and the second. And it's fun for clients to say like, oh my gosh, my post-ovulatory temps used to be really close to the cover line. Now they're so much higher. My progesterone must be increasing. My hormones must be balancing out. My luteal phase is longer. You know, you just get to learn so much about what your body produces, but also like how you feel and how your hormone levels are throughout each phase. Yeah. I feel like it's priceless for looking at that. And then, you know, when you make nutrition supplement lifestyle changes, or if you have like a major stressor going on, you'll be able to see how that those things are impacting you in your chart. Yeah. So I ended up getting my second shot and my temp that next morning skyrocketed like insane. And then the day after it came right back down, But I was like, wow, it's just the little things that your body, I mean, in a 24 hour period, like my basal body temperature was so much different and we call those outliers. So even outside of something so extreme, it's like if you drink a lot the night before, what'd your temp do? Did you not get a lot of sleep? What'd your temp do? Those can also be clues of, I guess, like uh, according to stress on your body and health. So it is fascinating. Yeah. I feel like there's so much that you can learn and I, I one thing I think of for a lot of clients is like acne and headaches and migraines. I'm like track when they're happening, like put those in. I on my read your body app, you know how you can add as many custom things as you want to track as you want. It is ridiculous how long that list is. I'm like any because I'm it's so much easier to have everything I want to track in one place. But it that's like one of the things you know acne. I'll have them add that a line for acne, headaches, migraines, and then you can see is it a hormonal related breakout or headache or migraine, or is it just completely random? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That I mean, you'll notice, oh, my gosh, I only get headaches right after my period ends. Or why is that? Or I only get moody right those five days right before my period. And then you can start course correcting and trying to figure out why those things are happening. So if someone were going to use FAM to avoid pregnancy, what would that look like? There um, – okay. So there are some rules that go along with it. Essentially, if you see cervical mucus, you're fertile. If you don't, you're not. But you want to wait at least three cycles of full charting to really determine like any sort of pattern with your cycle. Because like I said, your first clue is going to be CM and you're going to check that on a daily basis. Your confirmation clue is going to be after you've had three high temps, you can count yourself as not fertile. But you can also use some patterns, right? So after three cycles, you might say, I do roughly ovulate around like day 14 or 15. And so you can assess that like, let me back up, five days before ovulation, if there's any sperm hanging around, you can get pregnant. So anytime prior to that, you're also infertile, right? You just need to be careful about what you're doing and making sure that ovulation is really not going to happen when you think it is. Yeah. So basically you're just looking, you're paying extra close attention to that cervical mucus. And if it's present during that follicular phase, you would assume that you're fertile and obviously use a barrier method if you're trying to avoid pregnancy. And then once you confirm that ovulation that has occurred when your cervical mucus dries up and your temperature increases three high days in a row, then you would be able to say, I'm out of that fertile phase. Yeah, exactly. And then after that period, you're in your luteal phase and that's when you don't have to use a barrier method. Uh, Of course, if obviously like they protect like condoms would protect you from like STIs and stuff. So depending on like your current situation, I just feel like condoms are a lot easier, but it kind of depends on the person. But it's just good to know, like some people are like, oh, like you have to use condoms all the time. It's like, nope, it would just be during that fertile time. Yeah, truly. It's only during that from your point of change when you see any sort of CM through what we call peak plus three. So those three high temps, that's the only period of time that you're fertile outside of that window prior or post. You're good. And so if someone were, if they're on the flip side and they're like, I actually want to use FAM to help me conceive, what would that look like? You're going to want to do your most peak days. So that's when you see, and we haven't like really talked about the specifics of it, but that's like the egg white, slippery, clear, stretchy. Those are going to be your prime time. And those are usually the days like right leading up to ovulation. If you're tracking LH, which I would recommend, then, you know, whenever you get your LH search within 24 to 36 hours, you're most likely going to ovulate. So you would also time up around the LH surge. But, you know, say you have a partner that's traveling and you notice like you just saw non-peak, like you just, that's first day right into the fertile window. You're probably not going to ovulate for four to five days and your partner's going to be gone. Hey, you can definitely still get pregnant on that day. It might be like less, minimally less fertile, but you can still get pregnant for sure. So anytime you see cervical mucus is when you should. But if you're really really trying and you've been trying for a long time and it doesn't seem to work. There are things like you can try the every other day in the fertile window. You can just wait specifically till the LH surge. Um, So you kind of can play around with like your own body and partner's needs. Yeah. And you can get those LH strips really cheap online or at like a local like Walgreens or CVS or something. And I do think it's helpful to do those. We were just talking about my chart before we started the podcast episode. And I was saying how when I used the strips, it actually showed me that it looked my based on my temperatures, it looked like I ovulated like 
three to four days later. But when I used the LH strips, I actually ovulated much sooner than the temperature shift. So the, again, that's why you can't just rely on temperatures when you're using FAM. My cervical mucus did make me think in, that I was in that fertile phase. So the strips I do think are really helpful. And how would you recommend that women, like how do they know when they should start using the LH strips in their cycle? You start the first day you see any CM and then you test once a day, usually in the afternoon, but I always say like read what your box tells you once a day in the afternoon uh, until you get a positive. And then once you get a positive, you don't need to retest anymore. That's when you can tell yourself I'm going to likely ovulate within 24 to 36 hours. And then if you're using it for like non-birth control or for birth control purposes. We also say like LH plus four after you get your LH surge, wait four days and you're in the clear or peak plus three. And it's interesting because they end up kind of lining up. A lot of people will get their LH surge and then the next day they have their peak day, which is the last day they see their most estrogenic mucus. And then it like all kind of lines up at the end with their temperature shift and everything. Yeah. So it's like either way. And I feel like it's good to lay out like how do you use it to avoid pregnancy? How would you use it to try to conceive? And then of course, all the information that you're going to gather just from tracking and seeing the shifts in general. How do you think that women benefit like on a day-to-day from being more in tune with their cycles? Because that's what I really feel like fertility awareness does is it, it kind of, you're constantly checking in every day with like, oh, I'm on cycle day seven. You know, it kind of keeps you in check a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it allows women to give themselves like a whole ton of grace because they realize like, oh, I, I feel a certain way during each phase of my cycle or even like to the day. Some women like know, oh my gosh, on day five, I usually get a headache. You know, they they can start to like proactively take ownership for their health and for their cycle. And then also their emotional health. So like, oh, like they're in their luteal phase. They know they've ovulated. They're leading up to their period. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to slow it down right now. I'm going to, I'm going to relax. I'm going to, you know, grab a cup of tea and just like slow down. And so it allows you to also alter your lifestyle according to what your hormone levels are doing and what your body is craving. And I think people get, I know if me and Nina are on Zoom right now, so she can see I'm holding my dog Priscilla. If you follow me on Instagram, you know Priscilla. She's like very needy. We've been doing dog training and it's been like a lot of work for them. So now she like requires more cuddles. I think too, um, a lot of women struggle with how do I get more in tune with my cycle? I get that question a lot of like, how do you plan stuff according to like what phase you're in? And I'm like, it really comes from tracking and just starting there, getting used to it. And then I feel like you just kind of automatically start to notice like, oh, I'm definitely a little bit more tired in my luteal phase. I'm going to try not to plan these types of activities during that time if I can. But if you don't have an idea of like around when you may ovulate, what that luteal phase is, when you get your period, it is hard to plan and get in tune with those seasons. Yeah. And I think a lot of people make it harder than it needs to be because there's also the whole like food sinking with my cycle. And it's just like, ah, like that's so, you know, I can only have this during this phase or whatever. It's like, no, really what it is, it's about just listening to your body more. And then like you mentioned, you'll know, hey, I'm ovulating or I'm in my fertile window. 
I, I have a lot of energy or I should. Is that accurate for my body? Yeah, it is. So I'm going to plan accordingly. It doesn't have to be difficult. It's just literally getting in tune. I mean, they're asking, how do I get in tune with it? But it's it's way more natural than you think. Yeah. And I think too, when you're checking in every day, it's just easier to see. You're not wondering. You're like, nope, I know I'm in my follicular phase. But it, I think it just comes with time with tracking and getting that experience in. And then you kind of naturally start to do it. What are some of your favorite tools when you start using FAM? I have two thermometers I usually recommend. Femometer, it's super cheap and it is an easy one if you're a person that like doesn't have weird sleep schedules and you wake up roughly around the same time every day. And then I also am a temp drop fan. So I use temp drop, especially if like you are postpartum and like you're up all the time and you're trying to use it or you like work night shift or you don't wake up at the same time every day. Temp drop can be helpful. So you're going to need a thermometer, a basal body temperature thermometer. It cannot be a regular thermometer because it has to test to the 10th degree to be most accurate. And then you're going to probably want some LH strips on hand. But like you mentioned, Amanda, you can get them at your local pharmacy or, you know, off of Amazon, whatever. You'll want a charting method. So either paper charts, which you, you know, I have a paper chart. I know other fam instructors have their own. There are charts in the back of like taking charge of your fertility or a, a paper or an app, which I, of course, recommend read your body. But again, I know a lot of people do like Kendara. There are apps that sync with like TempDrop and also Femimeter. I don't encourage those just because they're not as specific to charting for FAM as I would like them to be. But really, I feel like that's the main things you need. Thermometer, the ability to check your cervical mucus and a way to track it. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, and some people like digital stuff. They want an app and some people like the written one. I, I get people that do a mix of both. Read Your Body does connect to temp drop though. So if you're looking for an easy one, yeah, like I, that's why I got that one originally. Cause I was like, I use temp drop. But all I have to do is click a button and they connect versus like having to manually type it in. So if you are someone that's going to look into that, then I would make sure that you consider using that app. They also have cool stuff on like cervical mucus. Like they have some tutorials in there. I don't know if you've seen those, but I was like, oh, this is helpful. Like if you need a refresher. They just took them away. They just Did took they? them away. Yeah. Never mind. Sorry guys. <laughs> I emailed, I emailed them because I would, I would tell my clients, like I would write in their after session notes, read the cervical mucus description. I, it'd be like their homework, you know, like read through this and they got rid of it. And I was like, no, um, they said, because there are different descriptions for different fertility awareness educators, like everybody describes things a little bit differently, but I loved the way they described it. I felt like it was so simplified, but they did say it's going to go up on the blog. So they'll have stuff on their website for people to go to. Yeah. And I'll link to temp drop and everything in the show notes. So if someone was like, if they're listening to this and they're like, yes, this is what I'm looking for, like I, whether they want to get pregnant or they want to avoid pregnancy, or if they're one of those people that are trying to get more in tune with their cycles and their hormones, what do you think is the best way to get started using fertility awareness method? Of course, I'm going to say like work with an instructor. And that's not just because I am one. It's because I think it's the best way to really learn the method accurately. And also you cannot underestimate the value of learning about your body. For any of my clients, I'm sure you've seen the same. Once they understand how their body works, it's like, oh my gosh, why have I not learned this before? And it's just super, super valuable. But if you're like, you know what? I kind of want to DIY it. Um, Taking Charge of Your Fertility is a great book. Go ahead and get that. And then, you know, you can even go to websites like Temp Drop's website, Read Your Body. 
Hope's website, and they have a lot of good blogs and articles on it. So you can kind of go down the rabbit hole of looking through those things, following a FAM instructor on Instagram, listening to podcasts about FAM, like just absorbing as much information about it as possible. But then you have to like proactively implement it. So there's, you can't just listen and read and think you understand it. You have to daily, you know, then apply it to your own body. Yeah. I think it is like a lot of people, like you could start working on it yourself. And then once you've charted for a bit, like go see someone, but I can't recommend enough, like having someone else look at your chart. Like we said, they, it's a different perspective and they pick up things that you wouldn't even think of, especially if you feel overwhelmed because it doesn't have to be overwhelming. But yeah, Fertility Friday, I love. Great podcast. She also has a great website. And the fifth vital sign is her book which is a great one too. Yeah. She's like had people like had clients on her podcast too. So I feel like those are helpful for people to listen to, to like kind of break down someone's chart and stuff. So another great, great resource. But yeah, there's different ways to go about it. I think if you're using it for birth control, try to try to work with someone. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me and going into Fertility Awareness Method. Um, I'm going to link Nina's Instagram. She's at Nourish with Nina, and she has a podcast. Definitely listen to it if you haven't already. It's Healing Hormones podcast, and everything is going to be linked in the show notes as well. Is there anything you want to share with people or leave them with? Honestly, you kind of hit it. That's really it. Um, If you want to see cute pictures of my daughter, they're over on Instagram. And yeah, you hit all the the major ones. Yeah, she is so cute. Thank you. I think she is too. (laughs) Cutest hair ever. Yeah, so if you need a baby fix, definitely follow Nina. Check out her stories. But thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to the Are You Menstrual podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review and sharing the podcast with someone you think it will help. If you are new here, we can't recommend enough to start with our mineral imbalance quiz. This is going to give you an idea if you are at low, moderate, or high risk for mineral imbalances. And then of course, make sure you follow us on Instagram at hormone healing RD and consider signing up for our newsletter. If you like nerding out and you are just loving these podcasts, but maybe you're a little bit more visual and you want to see things too, we go into a ton of detail in our weekly newsletter. So we would love to have you join us there. All right. Thank you. And we will see you in the next episode.